Artist Uprising. We have started a movement. Call it a revival for arts and entertainment, call it a renaissance or united belief. That creativity should be undoubtedly expressed in a way that shapes culture for the better. That artists should have the resources they need to do the work that runs through their veins. And with the gathering of resources, we will one day abolish the phrase, starving artist. Day and night, the movement does not cease, for creativity never sleeps. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast that is Artist Uprising. My name is Larry G. I'm your host. Today, our special guest is Magdiel Lopez. Hey, man. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Having fun already. A little bit about our guest today. He was born in Havana, Cuba, spent his childhood years inspired by the colorful culture that surrounded him. Naturally, such upbringing played an integral part in forming Lopez's keen sense of style, art, and design, which can be realized in his works today. Looking for freedom and a better life, Lopez moved to the United States at 15, where he continued working on his skill for the next 10 years privately. He decided to reveal his work in a series called A Poster A Day, releasing one piece of artwork on his Instagram every day for 365 days. Each day garnered more attention from a global audience, ultimately leading him to be featured on the New York Times Cosmopolitan Entrepreneur Awards. To date, he has worked with several brands such as Apple, Nike, Absolute Vodka, MTV, Warner Brothers, etc., and is currently has a partnership with Adobe as a design mentor and creative. He lives in Dallas, Texas, where he runs his own creative agency, Belmont Creative. Magdiel, thank you for joining us today. Of course. Uh, like I said, looking at reading your resume earlier, I was just super impressed and like really excited to get to talk to you and get to know you better. Um, so you're based out of Dallas, correct? Yeah, I, li I live here down the street, actually. Yeah. And we're just talking about this. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm super happy to be here, man. This is, you know, I'm having fun already. Very cool. It's, it's, a, good it's a good time. I, I always like to make sure, you know, when <clears throat> people, as soon as they come in, they feel at home and they feel relaxed. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, checking all the boxes already. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool. Um, well, besides the fact that you live here in Dallas, I would love to kind of get um, better understanding or you know, feel about your story. So if you could, I, I would love to know one, your background and just tell me, you know, like where you're from and, yeah. and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm from Havana, Cuba, like you read before. And yeah, it, that, that, um, a little bio sounds, sounds pretty official, man. It's I'm like, is that me? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All those things are true, but when you read them all together, they sound, which Super is something true. that I always tell creatives. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going off here, No, but it's just like, when you see like, somebody that you admire, you look up to, like this happened to me as well. Like you always think, even when you go to like inspirational websites, you know, you go to these inspirational websites and you see all this work all together and you're like, man, I'm never going to be that. Like this is too much. This is amazing. How am I going to be here? You know? And you're seeing everything as a collective, you know? Yeah. You're seeing, you're seeing the ESPN highlights yes. of everybody. And yeah. that makes you feel like I'm nothing, you know? And, that's true. None of us are nothing. But at the same time, you can be great, too, if you, if you know, work hard and you get into it. And when you read the highlights, everything sounds amazing. But behind that, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of, like, 
these appointments, even with some of these brands, you know, you work with them, you want to make something amazing, they kick back, you got to find a way around. So not everything is as good as it sounds, you know, for, for, for people. So, but putting in the time, yeah, I guess, and the hustle, like behind the scenes, when mm-hmm. you do hear something like this, I'm sure there's a sense of gratification. That, oh, absolutely. I'm super thankful. Know, yeah. And like, you know, you asked me where I'm from, I'm from Cuba. Uh, Cuba is a super interesting country. Right. Like it's not like anything in the world. It's a country that's stuck in the past. It's stuck in the 50s and 60s yeah. when the revolution took over. Mm-hmm. It became a socialist communist country. And, you know, that brought a lot of like uh, limitations to the people. Like you, couldn't, you couldn't own a private business. You couldn't... Uh, uh, have any kind of like entertainment that came from individual people is it was everything everything was filtered through the government mm-hmm. everything was managed by the government the schools right. the medicine nah, all of that so you know it sounds good and you you know you say like okay the medicine is you know free and all that but at the same time the level of excellence is so low because there's no competition you know so cuba was like super like you know limiting country to grow up in. And I think that those limitations like always inspire me to, to want more, you know? I always wanted more. I couldn't get more. Like I remember even cartoons. I like couldn't couldn't watch car- cartoons. I would really? watch the they would play Russian cartoons on TV and Cuban cartoons. Wow. They were both equally bad. Oh and <laughs> and then on Sundays they would play uh like normal cartoons like Disney and all that. And to me that was like, you know, the best Sunday morning. But then I would go to church. My dad was a pastor. Yeah. So I couldn't watch the cartoons because I had to go to church. So I would leave the tape recording at my house. You know, I would put that tape in uh, the VHS or whatever. Right. And I would I would go to the, I would go to church hoping that everything's like recording at home. And then w- <laughs> and then I would watch it the whole week. And that hunger for like wanting like, wanting to see more. It was just like I think it helped me later on in life and also in my career because I'm you know always chasing for what's next you know when you were in cuba and mm-hmm. you said you moved here it well in the bio it says 15 correct yeah i was 15 when i moved here when you're looking at say a cartoon uh-huh. those horrible cartoons yeah you're still getting this visual of art in a way absolutely did you know that there was better outside from where you were? Did you know that like another world, like yep. in America, that something existed that yeah. was better than what you were seeing? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Cause my dad, um, my dad got to travel. He, he left the country once, which is super weird that they gave him a visa. Uh, he was a pastor, so they thought he's not gonna stay in the States, right? So he came, he didn't stay, he went back. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they kept letting him bring, you know, come back to the States. Right. So he would tell us, you know, uh, in the States, you can do whatever you want. Wow. You can do this, you can do that. And I'll be like, I wouldn't believe him, honestly. Like, yeah. as a kid, they're living under such a weird um, uh, government, you know? Like, yeah. they tell you what to do, they tell you what to think. They tell you, like, you got to go to, go to school and, and recite these things that they tell you to say. Mm. And everything feels so, so mundane that everything that he was telling me was so free. That to me, it was just like, that's impossible. You know, like, he's lying to me. And, um, but he, he, yeah, he, he told us, you know, there's things out there that are different. 
I'm going to take you guys there. You know, I'm going to take you guys out of the country. He's talking to the whole family like, I'm getting us out of here. Yeah, I'm getting us out of here one way or wow. another. We're working away. And the way we left Cuba is pretty interesting. It was pretty crazy because we didn't, couldn't come straight to the States. We went through Guatemala. He was able to go to Guatemala and get a Guatemalan citizenship for him and my mom. And once you do that, if you have a citizenship from another country and Cuba's lost, you can take your kids, right? So did you move to Guatemala for a little bit and then move to the States? We moved to Guatemala. We were there a month. That is a plan. So it because, was literally yeah, it a plan. Was, it was a plan. And the thing is that it was, it was even more complicated than that. And I don't know how much time we have to talk oh, about it. We this. got all the time. All right. So we, um, we were supposed to leave on, you know, after the year started. Yeah. Uh, 2005. Okay. But then we noticed that if January 1st came, I would be uh, listed in the, in the army. Because automatically in Cuba, when you turn 16, you're listed. The year that you turn 16, you're listed on the army. Wow. So January 1st of that year. Okay. And then you, you, you're taken away to the army at, at 18 okay. for three years. So that's mandatory. So we noticed, okay, if we wait until January 1st, this is going to happen. So we have to leave now. And he was, uh, it was December 20-something. My brother got married December 25th at the age of 18. And he stayed in Cuba. Okay. So we, we went to his wedding and we literally had to flee before January 1st. We didn't know that law until like a few days before. Wow. So the Guatemalan embassy people that my dad knew, they were out of town. They were in Guatemala celebrating the end of the year with their family, Christmas and all of that. So the paper that she had to sign, she couldn't sign on time for us mm, to leave. Yeah. So that was one of my first Photoshop works. Oh, yeah. So, so wow. So you had Tell to me about how did you do that? Like, so we, okay. So I have been doing Photoshop since the age of 13 by myself, you know, like in my house, like, you know, I yeah. had a friend that. And you just figured it self taught? Yeah. So some people from church would do it, right? And yeah. I asked a friend that, you know, it was good. And I, I asked him, hey, man, can you teach me how to do Photoshop? I'm super into arts. I would draw a lot. So he's like, yeah, man, I'll teach you. He came to my house once, never came back. Like, he taught me how to cut people. And that's it. And then I was just like super into it. I was cutting people, putting them into new layers. And what I would do is that I would copy my dad's books from, because there wasn't any internet. There wasn't internet. There wasn't TV. Yeah. It wasn't anything. The TV that was there, it started at 5 p.m. And it was all about, it was only two channels, all about the government, all that. Right. So, so I couldn't even see references, you know. So I would copy my dad's books. So I would look at his books. I would look at the cover and be like, okay, there's a person here. There's letters here, these dots over here, and then I would copy that. And I did that for, for a while. So you literally put together a fake visa in a way? Well, it wasn't a visa. It was a letter that said that, that the embassy gave us permission. Yeah. It was some kind of paper, that, an authorization to, to be able to, to go. So we had the visa. But yeah. it, it wasn't like there's some special paper that you need to leave Cuba. Right. That says like, okay, you can go or something like that. Yeah. And he couldn't get it. My dad turned to me and said, can you Photoshop this? And, <sighs> I, and, and, and you know, looking at it yeah. from this perspective now being here in the States, it sounds, sounds totally crazy. It is a crime, blah, blah, blah. But we live in such a crazy place, man. We do. Like, you yeah. know, like, like back then, like even to eat, you had to, you had to do things that were illegal. Yeah. Like, you cannot find food in Cuba. So you had to go sell something that you had to, like, then go to the guy that has that food for some reason. Nobody knows how he has it. You know, he probably stole it. But, it's, you know, we lived in this crazy environment. So 
we had to you know, force this paper. So I made it in Photoshop and then we printed on top of the same paper like 20 times so that the ink would get really thick. And then we kind of like used that as a stamp yeah. on the new paper. Wow. So it looked like it was like stamped and all that. And uh, all that we did knowing that the Guatemala people were going to give us the paper. So right. when we got to Guatemala, we got to get the real paper just in case that one, you know, something came up. We had it, right? But it worked out. We live in Guatemala. We crossed to Mexico uh, through, the, through the river at night because we didn't have papers to go through Mexico. So it was like pretty crazy crossing from Guatemala to Mexico. Like we always talk about people coming from My wife's yes. from Mexico. Okay. So, uh, you know, we always talk about people coming from Mexico to the States and looking for the dream. I was coming from Guatemala to Mexico to then come I to the States. I hear the stories about people leaving Cuba, uh-huh. escaping yep. to, what, Miami? Or everywhere, man. Everywhere any, they any, can, any, yeah. Yeah, and I met people on this journey because we crossed to, to Mexico, right? And we make it across and then we're in Mexico. But then Mexico is super sketchy to go through because they have all these places where they can stop you. And I'm sorry for people like tuning in like to listen about art. We're just talking about my story. It's part of the journey, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it definitely. That's so what we're, we're gonna that's get. What we're gonna we're get to it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So we we cross to Mexico. We get stopped in the first police thing. You know. Yeah. And they see us, and then right away they know we're Cuban. These people do this so long they they know. You know. They're yeah. like, okay, you guys get down. So we get down. We okay, long story short. They put us in this prison for three days first. And then those three days, they're bringing me into this office and telling me, okay, we're going to kill your parents. Uh, you're probably going to go with another family here in Mexico and live with them forever, right? Like putting fear in us, right? And then they would bring my dad and tell him, hey, we're keeping your kid. And we're, you know, sending your wife back to Cuba and all of that, all, all to get money. You know, Mexican government super corrupt, corrupted and... They just wanted to get money out of us. We didn't have money. So three days went by. They're telling us this all the time. My dad is an amazing uh, person and leader. He was just like, listen, they're going to tell you this. Um, don't break. Don't break. We're going to go through this. You know, he obviously felt bad. We we're in this situation. But um, how many days? Three days total. So three days in that one. And then, okay. then we got moved to another one. There was 10 days in that one. So that one was like it had like a big fence around. It was like a parking lot big fence and you would just sleep on the floor until they gather enough Cubans to take us to to like um, DF, which is like the main, which is the capital of Mexico. Okay. And then in DF we stayed uh, for close to three months. All right. In prison. In prison? Yeah. So they took my dad to one, to the men's prison. So you, you were separated then? Yeah, we were separated then. And I was taken to one that was... Uh, 21 and younger or 18 yeah. and younger. So can you tell me like, you know, what it was like as far as w- during that separation in that period? Like how, how, how was it for you as far as with your creative side? Mm-hmm. Did, was that something that you would lean on during those times? Just like yeah. working on your art, just doodling mm-hmm. or anything? Uh, well, or? one thing that I did, the one time that I used art yeah. in prison, I couldn't use art. I mean, honestly, I forgot about art because I'm so right. Of course, man. Yeah. But, and I wasn't like a super, even when I was in Cuba doing art, I wasn't like a, I was drawing all the time in school. Yeah. But I wasn't like the kind that I was using art as a means of living or anything like that. I was just doing it for fun. So yeah. to me, that was in the back of my mind, you know? Yeah. But, but you know, the creativity comes in so different, so, so many different flavors for life. You know, you right. don't have to be creative only 
uh, as a person that's quote unquote creative. You know, you're creative as an accountant, you're creative as a lawyer, you're creative in all these different things, right? And I believe that all of those situations made me a more creative person. Because now when I, when I have a challenge that's a creative challenge, virtual creative challenge, I always, I find a way. I love it. You know, so that's the way, you know, it was back then too. You have to find a way. So we got, we got separated and my dad was just like, okay, you know, like, I don't know what this, he didn't know either, you know, but we we're trying to survive through this. My mom was really nervous as well. Um, they take us, you know, and we would only see each other on Thursdays for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was tough. The, fir- the first day I met some of the Cubans in the 10-day prison and we went together to the big one. And when we got to the big one, we got in a fight the first day with this because we don't have a lot of culture of world culture in Cuba to know like what gangs are, for example. Like oh, we didn't wow. know like people that are all tattooed and they're like throwing gang signs. At you, you didn't know what that We mean. don't know what gang signs are. Like yeah. we you see, you know, he said, okay, you're throwing, you, I don't know what you're doing, but do you, do you know what this sign is? And he gave him the finger and they got up, you know, and we, we went, we fought these dudes. And wow. And then they, they came in with a whistle whatever they hit us with these long sticks this is in the prison yeah the first day until we get to the floor and then we were in the floor you know and then they they take us and they put us in so everybody would sleep together and they put us in a separate place mm-hmm. and this is the one time that i did art in prison first day they gave us a pen and paper and i drew the guard that was like guarding the prison and he had this like ranchera music like playing and i didn't know anything about that music never heard it before but i was singing it like just like I was just having fun like with him. Like you knew it. Yeah, but I was just, you know. Yeah. I was like, I was drawing him when I was like, hey, like I was trying to make a friend. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Did was he 15. like the drawing? So he saw the drawing. He liked it. He said, you know what? I like you. You're cool. So I'm a, I'm, I never tell anybody this, but if you need anything from outside, I can bring it for you. So whatever, if you need something from the store, Coca-Cola, candy, uh, whatever you want, tell me. And I'm like, okay, great. I didn't have any money, but I had the idea the next day. I'm like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell to these people, whatever. And then I'm going to get, I'm going to charge them double. Oh, so yeah. I made a bunch of money in there. Just like That's every, where the every, hustle started. Every day he would bring a bag with things. I would give it to everybody. You know, people would pay me the day before. People have money in there. Say, you know, a lot of people were like coming from other countries immigrating as well so would, would you say that's where your entrepreneurial spirit started maybe yeah maybe i mean i was just like you know and i, I was just doing it to i don't know i didn't even know why i just wanted to have money and yeah. i would buy things for my mom and i would send it to her to her side she started getting nervous thinking i was doing something crazy and i was just like, mom i'm just selling so you know, was it just and stuff. you your mom and your dad yeah at that point yeah and your brother was in cuba in cuba is he, he still in cuba now no, he came, he came like a year and a half after we got to the States. Okay. And he had a crazy story, too. He got kidnapped. We had to send more money. It was crazy. Anyways, they let us go for that prison. They have to verify we're Cubans. They do that after two months. They took him two, two, three months to do it. And then they let us out in Mexico. You have 10 days to leave. Yeah. And we crossed, this, you know, we crossed the border here in the States walking because as Cubans, you can just walk through it. They know a lot of Cubans go through a lot of crap. So, right. um, so you cross the border, you say you're Cuban, they automatically give you uh, papers to work and then you start working, you know. And then we got to Miami and I start help, started helping my, we had a lot of debt for, from coming, you know. So I started helping my, my mom working, uh, doing whatever. We'd go clean offices. We would go um, serve on parties and stuff like, 
you know, us bartenders or not what, bartenders, what but year like people was this? to bring what, the drinks. What year was this? In? 2005. 2005, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, that's that's how I got to the States. It's a crazy story, but, uh, you know, it's, I feel like it's, um, it's part of what makes you who you are, you know? And it's part of what makes you, helps helps you stay creative, you know? Like, I don't know. It's, 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 I'm thankful for it. Like, people are always like, it must have been so hard. And it was hard, but I, you know, I wasn't thinking in the moment that it was hard. And I don't know. I think, I think it helps. It helped you as far as to where you are today, though. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I'm sure that stuff at the beginning, I mean, mm-hmm. that almost sounds like you could do a movie about it. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was bad, though. Um, like, I remember the first nights I was, like, pretty scared, like, sleeping in the prison. So, you don't know. You know, you don't know. And then later on, we, we made like a lot of friends and um, we made like a group to like help right. protect ourselves from yeah. the other people that would come in. Some other people were like super sketchy. But uh, <laughs> at least you had people though that you felt comfortable with. Yeah, I had four friends. It was five of us. And then we made like another bar, like eight or nine people and we were a big group at the end. Did they all move, go with you to Miami as well? The four guys did. Okay. Uh, but the other people were from other countries. So okay. when we left, most of them stay in there. Um, and so you're you're in Miami, mm-hmm. 2005. Uh, yeah. Tell me what life in Miami was like, like w- as far as like the upbringing uh, mm-hmm. and how like maybe art yeah. you know, I was, started coming into play. Yeah. So I was, you know, we were, we were fighting hard to bring my brother back and from Cuba to bring him to the States and also um doing whatever we could to you know start a new life and my parents you know they take all the credit because they left their house in cuba yeah once you leave cuba you renounce to citizenship there so you lose everything you do so they you know they lost everything for me and my brother and we were just trying to help and i started working as a designer in uh in a music studio so a friend of the family had a music studio uh i was in high school yeah and i you know i talked to him i'm like hey man i know how to do this uh, I can do pretty much whatever you show me because I've been doing these books for so long. So I'm like, whatever you, you know, this artist is this kind and you can show me some references, I can I can make it work. You know, I was also taking some photos at that time. I uh, started to to get into, you know, photography and using Canon a lot, which I'm working with Canon now. Wow. It's great. They're it's like, like a full circle. Kind yeah, of they're a sponsor for me for this year. And yeah, so I'm wor- working with their new printer. I just shot a co- commercial with them, which is crazy to me. Cause like talking back, you know, at that time, Canon was like, wow, Canon, you know, I was buying <laughs> yeah. my camera, like saving yeah. up, imagine you just like, I couldn't ask my parents for anything. Cause like, I didn't have anything first. Yeah. And I felt so ungrateful, like asking for anything, you know, cause I'm like, dude, you brought me here. I, I got it from here, you know? That's awesome. So I started working at this studio. I was doing good, you know, like making things happen. Uh, like anybody else, you know, working hard. So it hard, was already kind of like taking off like your art, your career. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. at 16 years old. Yeah. I was still 15. I was still 15. Still 15. Wow. Okay. Uh, I turned, because I got here in like about April. I turned 16 in the summer, August. And then next year, in August, I moved to Texas. I was 17. Wow. I came to a Bible college here in Texas. Okay. And that's how I got to Texas. And And then when I got here to Texas... I started working again uh, for the school and I was doing freelance for people, um, doing graphics, you know. I would do anything, any kind of graphics. So was know? it here in Dallas where you were? It was here in Dallas, yeah. It what school were you at? CFNI. 
Really? Yeah. Is that yeah. Christ of the Nations? Yeah, Christ of the Nations. So it's a Bible yes. college. Yeah. I know some people. Yeah, really. Like, from there, like musicians. So and I stuff. had, a, I had. There's a lot of talented people go to. So many. A lot of talented yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that I had a really like big cultural shock when I got to the states because the states all about work. Mm-hmm. It's all about work hard. Work hard. Yeah. If there's one critique that I can give to the states is that it's tough to to have a healthy social life. Because everybody's doing their thing. And, you know. Everyone's hustling. Everybody's hustling. And there is room to hustle. That's the great thing about the States. Like yes. you can, If you hustle, you're successful, honestly. Like yeah. Regardless of opposition and regardless of anything else. You know, I'm an immigrant. Like, I've had plenty of people, like, not understand my accent. But that's cool. You know, like, opposition is not bigger than opportunity in the States. It's right. just not, you know. And I, everything that's going on now is crazy. And there's a lot of people struggling and a lot of people fighting for... For things and i think that you know like if we take self-responsibility self for the things that we do as individuals yeah we can be so much better as a society oh yeah and we can be so much better everybody and whatever side you are you're on you know so i don't know why i, I no <laughs> I, was, I went into that but i can't remember what i was saying no we were talking about just how you were at cfni oh yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and just like how um you know here there's just so much time to to do yeah, your hustle. Exactly. To, to, to do your thing. <clears throat> so I was paying for my own school. And that included my rent because I was living there. And um, so I had to I had to pick up some other jobs. So I was doing I was doing photography in the weekend for weddings and stuff. I was doing ballet parking as well on Thursdays and Friday nights and Wednesday nights. Um, I was doing I was working for the school doing graphics. I was doing freelance as well. And then I worked in a call center for, for a little bit and I got fired right away because I, I couldn't speak English. Right. And like back then I, I really couldn't speak English. Like I could, really? but not that I, I only been here for like two years and I, I was can trying, totally understand. I was trying to get English, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I got fired right away. And uh, <laughs> that fast. Yeah, I got fired like in two weeks. Yeah, because I couldn't imagine, right. you know, like I, I got in there, saying. like everything else in life, like pushing, you know, and, and, and trying to sneak it. Right. <laughs> and then I got fired and then I, I, I went to a staffing agency as well. I was doing, I was doing everything You were I doing could. everything Everything you could. I could, yeah. So, you know, to make money and to like pay my school and not be a burden to my parents, you know, that was to me, that was always like, like a big thing. I don't want to be like, they brought me here, you know, that's it. Like from here and on, like I have to take care of myself. Well, all the while though, while you're doing that mm-hmm. and when you're talking about wanting to do this for yourself and, you know, kind of taking it to that next level, did you have uh, an idea or a plan that you were putting together in the sense of here's my goal, mm-hmm. this is what I want to do? Um, I always knew or I thought I, I, I knew that I wanted an agency, right? Somewhere that I could do graphic work. Yeah. Uh, it was mine that mm-hmm. I could, you know, control what was coming out and all of that. At the same time, I was 17 or 18. So I wasn't, I wasn't really working. And also the mentality of a lot of uh, Hispanic people that come from Hispanic countries is, is don't plan a lot of things out. Just play by ear, it's, which is a great thing when it comes to achieving things in the short term, you know. But when it comes to like long-term success, um, I didn't. I didn't come from a culture of like planning out because you couldn't plan anything out in Cuba. No, you know nothing would work. So um, even learning that mindset that people from the states have that is so great is like planning things out, doing it right. You know, doing it the the right way, and you know learning that helped me a lot later on 
But back then when I was 18, I wanted that. Like everybody wants it. But I, was, I wasn't working towards it, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. I was just like, I'm going to be, one thing that I always had in mind is something my dad told me when I was a kid. I don't care what you do. I don't care what profession you do. Do whatever you want. Be the best at what you do. Yeah. Or at least be your best version. Love it. Like don't, don't be honest with yourself. Be honest with who you are. Like a lot of people like tell me, hey, man, how do, how do you become a great creative? Blah, 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 blah. Because they think I am one. And, and I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't feel like I'm that good of a creative. I just think that I, I whatever I do, I'm going to do 100%. You know, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Creative, not creative. Uh, work, family, friendship, you know. And obviously you're going to fail in a lot of these things because that's what life is. But a lot of people are like, they're lying to themselves, you know. They're like, yeah, I'm working hard. I'm doing this. Blah, blah, blah. And they're not, you know, they're maybe copying what somebody else did and putting it out there and hoping for the best, you know. Mm. And we live in such a culture of like everybody wants to be famous and everybody wants to be known. And social media is bringing this thing like this currency that if, you, if you're not. It's a blessing not, and a curse. It's a blessing and a curse, you know. Yeah. And it's super cool, man. And I'm super thankful for social media because that's how I later on, like a lot of these brands discover me and a lot of the things that I'm doing now happen all through social media. But I think it's dangerous as well when you're younger. The cool thing is I didn't have social media when I was younger. I think it would have been super bad for me. Would have been bad for me too. Yeah, because totally. it's like, it's such a, you're looking at all these things that people are doing and you feel like, like what I was saying at the beginning, you feel like I'm never going to be that, you know, but you also have to, first of all, see social media is, you know, how a pastor that lives here in Dallas, Pastor Ed Young says, it's highlight, you know, like this highlight living, you know, it's like everybody's showing their highlights. Nobody's ever showing, oh, I'm struggling with this. This friend won't talk to me anymore. I did 20 designs and none of them got approved. Nobody's going to tell you that, you know? But if you don't know that in your mind, you don't know that, okay, these things are in happening behind the curtains. Like nobody's talking about it, but they're happening because that's real life. It is. Then you, you live in this false world of like, I have to be perfect and I have to go get to this level of perfection that nobody has. You know what I see it? I see it sometimes as social media being... I see it where there's a group of people that get it in the sense of Mm. they know people are posting their best life. Yeah. But then there's also a group of people that just want that authenticity Mm -hmm. and want to see that real story and want to have that real connection. And I think like just kind of the climate that we're living in, that's the thing I think that pushes people to want to know more. And it it pushes people to extremes. Yeah. You know, it pushes people to, Think about who Good the famous bad. the famous people are. Yeah. Either the dumbest people. Yeah. Or the most uber talented. Yes. You know? Yeah. So you you feel like, man, I'm never gonna be that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. But they don't realize these uber creative people have twenty thousand people behind them working, first of all, on their image, working on their projects, working on so you know, take it easy. Take it easy in yourself and be honest to yourself. If you're honest to yourself on how much work you're putting into things. You're always going to be happy with yourself because I'm like, man, I'm doing everything I can. I honestly am. I'm working up. I'm doing, taking care of my time, taking care of my hours. And if you do that, you're going to be happy regardless if you're famous or not, regardless if you're known or not, regardless if you're working on this X brand or whatever it is. So, yeah, to answer your question back then, I wasn't thinking I want to work with Nike or I want to work with whoever. I, I just didn't have that mindset. My mindset was more of a... Uh, I'm going to be the best of what I'm doing right now. Do you think because of the way you were raised, because of mm-hmm. the, 
the experiences you went through that it molded you and it kind of gave you that perception of how life is and the way that you see things now where you're just like, you know, I just do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I didn't have any reference of even even growing up like I um, I think it's a blessing that I never even like brands, for example. Like right now, if you're not wearing this brand or that brand, you know, which is cool. And I also buy brand things. Like I don't want to sit here and act <laughs> like I'm a monk. I do like brands. Oh, and you I got buy, style, man. And I can I, and see I, and it. I, and I buy brand stuff, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a blessing for me not to even know yeah. any of that stuff. Because that, that would have taken away from my concentration of just being great at what I'm doing, the small thing. And, and the truth is, if, you, if you're faithful in the small things, man, you're going to be taken to bigger things. I love that. And that's the way, that's the way it is. If like, you're faithful in the small things, the small things. you're going to be taken into the bigger things. That's you, so, you are. That's a, that's a tweet. Someone tweet that. That's well, a quote. Yeah, that's a and, quote. Make and, sure you, you give him his credit on that one. Well, it's from the Bible, actually. But, oh, well, there yeah. you go. It's in the, and it's true, man. It's just like, if you are faithful with that one boss that you hate, yeah, you know, even though you hate him, and you're amazing at what you do, yeah, automatically it's gonna happen. You're gonna be taken to new heights. People are gonna see what you're doing, even if you're doing it for this person that you don't like, right? Right. They're gonna see, oh, who made this? Who who's behind this? Okay, I want to hire that person. You know, I want to reach out to them, and and that's how it happens. It happens automatically when you're living a life of excellence. And when I say excellence, I don't mean perfection. I don't mean uh, you have to be the best person. I mean, excellence in the sense of like you're putting all of your effort to be the best version of yourself mm. with anything you do. Yeah. Which is really tough to do. And that's what right. I, I try to do every day. I don't, I don't accomplish this every day, obviously. And, and you know. I don't, I don't know. You can tell me if I'm wrong. But as far as for me, when it comes to creating art and putting it out there, my position on how I used to act or feel when I put anything out I used to always care about what people thought and mm. now I'm, I don't care because That's great. this is art <laughs> that I've created and you either like it or you don't. And, yeah. and it's okay if you don't, Yeah, but it's great if you do. Yeah. I, I always argue with my friend, uh, I'm sorry, I'm hating the mic here. I always argue with my friend, Bobby. Um, he's a great creator here from Dallas as well. Yeah. And he, he was the one that pushed me to start posting online. So before that, uh, I was just like, no, I don't, I don't want to, to me, none of my work was ever finished. I, still to this day, I feel like I post something and I don't really like it. And it's, it's part of it is like me trying to be better all the time. And part of it is also like, you know, like thinking a little bit what people think. Not really. Maybe more of the, maybe more of the, uh, this is not all of me. Right. I have more to show. You have more to give. So I'm like, I don't want to show this yet because I don't, I don't feel happy with it, you know? And he was just like, dude, stop. Just post stuff, you know? You suppose stuff for fun. And I'm like, oh, I'll think about it. So, you know, a few months went by and then I saw um, this Italian uh, artist doing the poster a day challenge. He did it in 2012, which was, uh, you know, like and four years before. was this what gave you the idea to do that? Yeah. He was like taking a lot of like, like wood elements and stuff and combining them into uh, posters, right? Right. It was, it was more of a uh, real thing. It's more of a hands-on physical making cuts and, and stuff. stuff yeah and i was just like man that's a great you know way back then my instagram i had like average like 600 people you know that i my friends and you know i didn't even post like I, i'm really bad at social media and um i started posting post for a day and i just kept doing it and then around that day 10 i was just like 
I hate this. Why am I doing this to myself? Like I'm putting this pressure on myself. And, and I was just like, I have to define why I'm doing this, you know? So I, that's, the, that's the main thing. You know, as an artist, now, you know, telling you, like before I didn't plan anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm learning to plan. I'm learning to find the why behind the things. And I'm like, okay, why are you doing this? What, what is the goal? What is the, um, the motivation, right? And one of the biggest motivations for it was like to stay creative. Because I was working, you know, uh, doing a lot of work that was super cool creative work. And anybody in the creative world would have been super happy doing. But at the same time, when you're working with a lot of people, there's a lot of dynamics that you have to do this and you have to, you know, make it this color and make it pop and make it blah, blah, blah. And then you never get to do what is inside of your head, you know? So to me, it was just more of an expression, you know? Like, I'm going to do this because I like it, like you're saying with your music. So I, I, I'm not doing this because nobody's telling me what to do or, like, I don't have 20 people behind me tweaking this thing. I'm just going to do it because I like it. And at the end of the day, that's the best way to do it because if you do that, first of all, you're going you're gonna to make something that's truly yours. And it's worth it to, to fight, to, to, to have that, that fight with yourself. Yes. Where you're, like, searching what is truly inside of you mm-hmm. and not what you're seeing from other people. It's also good to sing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say don't look outside. I think you should still, like an artist, for sure. You should look at 20 references and merge them all into one. And that's how you steal without people knowing you're stealing. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's it is, the greatest form of flattery. And I mean, like, everybody yeah. does it. And there's nothing new under the sun. That's the truth. Right. So even if you think you're creating this new piece, you're not. You know, you probably heard this when you were a kid. You're merging it with something else you're seeing. You're merging it with this other style. So you're already doing that in, in a subconscious level. So mm-hmm. why don't you do it in the conscious level, you know? So I think stealing is great too. But at the same time, that fight with yourself of what you're seeing and you like, but also the idea that you have and putting those things together is what, you know, um, makes your thing yours, you know? Was it an internal thing in the sense of or where you finally got to that point, like 10 days in with this posting mm-hmm. every day? Mm-hmm. Was it, did you come to a realization where you were like, you know what, this is a release for me. Yeah. Like to be able to do this, yeah. to just a different perspective kind that's, of helps that's when you I define, keep going. That's when I define that I'm going to do this not because, and the cool thing is that back then, like I didn't, I, my goal wasn't to grow. What Instagram. year was this by the way? 2016. Okay. My grow wasn't to, my goal wasn't to grow my Instagram. That wasn't my goal at all. Like I didn't even, I'm like I said at the beginning without when, when we were not recording, I'm really bad at, you know, remembering people's names and like, you know, things that are like trending in the design world, like people, like I love their work and I see it and I'm like, oh man, I love this dude's work, but I never remember people's names. So I wasn't even in the design world right you know i wasn't following people watching tutorials online i wasn't doing any of that Probably because makes it even better yeah because i was I, I i got used to learning kind of on myself like exploring more you know mm-hmm. so at this point i was just like i'm gonna do this for myself and not only that i'm going to also do this for for the sake of growing as an artist and for the sake of bringing all these ideas that i love like i love salvador dali the painter and I remember going to a museum in, in Florida, his museum in Florida, when I was 16, I still lived there. Mm. And I went, I was just like, man, this is so good. Like I said, like I said, looking at one of his paintings, I was like probably like 30 feet big, like it was like huge. And I was just like, man, how great is this? And all detail and all the breaking, breaking down of the images and 
and all that. So he was a huge inf inf influence for me. And I was like, what if I can combine a more modern, you know, um, medium like design with something like this, you know, and put it into one thing. So that's what I started doing. And, and that's how I kind of developed that and that developed that hunger of like, I'm going to keep growing because what I'm doing for other people are, is great and it forces a creativity without limits is not creativity you know you can be all the creative you want if i don't give you any limits you know you can be not creative but you can you have freedom you know i tell you hey paint this over here paint it however you want oh that's way easier than if i tell you i want you to paint this right here but i want you to do this do it in this in this style yeah. specific style so when people give you boundaries that's when your creativity shines right so to me you know i was shining creativity for all the people but i wasn't doing it for myself and I was just like, man, I have to be a better boss to myself than I am an employee to other people. And that's what people forget, too. They get so involved in, like, being a good employee and being a good, and they forget to be a good boss to themselves, you know, in whatever area of life. Self-care. You know? Self-care, mental health, you know, your relationships, your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, whatever it is. But, um, you know, back then it was that. It was like, man, I'm taking care of all these people. You know, I'm, I'm not dropping one at work. Like, I'm, you know, they're coming to me, uh, I deliver, boom. And it's perfect all the time. Did this you know? happen around the 2016? Is that when everything started taking off That's for when you? everything started taking off for me when I started posting that. And so around what number did all of this start happening as far as where were you at in your journey on those posts when... As far as growth? When the growth and just oh, so things it, it started turning. It immediately started happening. Like, I started, I started posting... Um, were you doing hashtags and people were seeing I was doing that? hashtags, yeah. Okay. So I started posting. At the beginning, I didn't even know, but I saw, like, a lot of my friends started sharing it. A lot of people that, you know, a lot of people started, you know. So I was just like, man, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it 100%. Yeah. So I, I looked up hashtags that were trendy with design. I did it hashtags. Um, I would do anything, man. I, w I would even, like, post it that I was in, you know how you do the location? Yeah. I would post it that I was in a, in a location that I wasn't in just because I knew a lot of creative <laughs> people go there. Eyes on yeah. It. A lot of creative people go there. For example, a trendy coffee shop here in Dallas. I would, you know, I'm in this coffee shop one day. I'm in this coffee shop. I'm doing it from my house, but I'm, I'm on this oh, coffee. Oh, but you weren't like, I'm in another country or something like that. Yeah. No, like everywhere. New York. I'm posting like I'm in everywhere. I love it. Because. Man, and, I'm going to steal this. <laughs> yeah. Cause legit, like you get more eyeballs, like people, like I would, I wouldn't, I know, like, for example, Henstooth here in Dallas. Like, a lot of people go there. Houndstooth, a lot of creative totally. people, you know, like, yeah. go to the one downtown. I'm never down there. I go to the one on 75. 75. Well, I live really close to there, like, when I, before I live, before where I live right now. Now, yeah. I'm sorry about my accent for everybody that's listening. No, man. If you need subtitles, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> man, your English is fine, man. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so I would, I would, I would do it like I was there, you yeah. know? And I would tag Common Desk, and I would tag... Places where creative people go work all the time and all these other creative spaces. Like, I would tag all of them. Not tag them, but, like, do, like, post like I was there, you know? And that started getting a lot of traction from people from here. Right. And, you know, like, you just got to be creative with what you do. And it's like, you know, that was one of the tools that I would use. Um, I would use hashtags. And something else that was huge for my growth and I didn't even know was Pinterest. Uh so when I checked Pinterest for the first time, I had 20,000 followers and I didn't know I had a Pinterest. Like I opened a Pinterest sometime, I don't remember <laughs> when, and it was the same hashtag, as, uh, the same name as my Instagram name. So I think people just started 
spinning it. And you, know, you and had following me, and I didn't 20, know twenty thousand followers. Yeah. So tell me, when you started the thing in twenty sixteen, how many people were following you on Instagram? I think six six hundred something. And how many now? I'm a ninety five. 95,000, yeah, about to break the 100,000. 100, but Instagram has become horrible. Like, the things that used to work, they don't work anymore. They change things so they, much. They, they like, switched up the algorithm. Which is good, too, because it forces you to, like, be creative if you, if you want. It's such, a, it's such a powerful, this is what I realized later on. So my motivation first was to stay creative, which is still to this point is. But then later on, when it started growing, I started getting a lot of business from it. I quit my job to to do my own thing or, you know, I, I left the office uh, at work and I started doing my own thing. Um, was that in 2016 as well? No. So 2017, I think at the end of 2017. So you were working already for a creative agency at the time? No, then? I was working for a church. Okay. So I always worked for a, I always worked for a, for some kind of church or ministry or stuff like that. Yeah. Like growing up in a, in a Christian home, that was like, you know, like, I was at my jam, you know, and I was just like super invested on, on, on being that. And I still am, you know, I was love that just one of your things? Like how you said you were at Christ of the nations. Mm -hmm. Was it always a thing where you were like, education wise, I'm going to get a Christian education. Yeah. Or did you was, ever look was, at like any of the other universities like that, that had art and stuff? No. So it didn't do anything related to art. I did, I did something, uh, it's called theology, which is the theology, study, yeah. Yeah, study mm -hmm. of the Bible basically. So uh, to me, it wasn't that. I had a big cult cultural shock when I got here because I was just everything's about work here. Mm -hmm. And in Cuba, it's more about people. You know, you meet more people, you see people all the time, every day, your friends and all that. <clears throat> Part of it is because nobody works. But, but, you know, like to me, that was, that was big. And I started like getting kind of depressed and sad. So I told my dad, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the States. I, I want to go on mission trips and I want to help people around the world. Like, you know, like, I don't want to live for myself. Like, I feel like, you know, and I feel like that's why people are sad, too, nowadays. A lot of people are sad because they're trying to accomplish this thing that has no repercussion, you know? You know, it has no, I mean, what is going to bring you money, help your family, maybe. Yeah. But most of the people are doing it because they just want to be famous and they just want to be known. They want to be respected and recognized and all that. And that's cool. But at the same time, you have to have goals that are outside of yourself. Otherwise, you're like anybody else. But that was never a goal for you as far as like, I want to be famous. You were just like, I no. love art. I just want to do it. No, yeah, yeah. And it happened kind of by accident. That's the cool thing about it. It's just like, you know, I always wanted to be the best. Like, I'm very competitive. You know, I work. There was all these designers, obviously. And I went in there and I was just, I'm going to be the best. You yeah. Know? Not in a negative way. Yeah. I was, I was nice to people, but I, I wanted to be the best, you know. So, You're competitive against yourself. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So when I started posting, it started growing, and, and I wanted to keep growing because I, I noticed that, okay, the more growth I have, the more attention I'm getting from publications. I'm getting interviews. I'm getting clients that I, don't, and, and, I never dreamed of working with because I never even thought about it, honestly. But to me, it was like, imagine, like, you know, like this Wonder Woman movie poster that I did. Like, to me, it's just like... I never thought I was going to do a Hollywood poster. I wanted to go into film, the film industry, which I think I am in the future. But, uh, but I never thought I would be doing a movie poster. Two years ago, that never crossed my mind. And, you know, now I'm working for these people. So, it's, it's, you know, it's a great thing that kind of happened by accident. But a lot of work went into it, you know. It, it's, really, it's really annoying to have to do one thing every how day. Did, how did it happen on accident? 
Uh, when I say an accident, what I mean is like I wasn't, I wasn't purposely thinking I want to do this, and I'm I'm gonna do it so that you know, they hire me. You know, I was more I'm gonna do my best every day. I'm gonna be creative. I'm gonna have fun, but I'm gonna do my best. I'm it, not gonna put put anything out there that doesn't look finished. And it came in all from that posting every day. Everything came from that. And so. The New York Times piece. Mm -hmm. There was a New York Times piece that yeah. was done about what you were doing. Yeah. How does that? How does? How do they catch wind of that? And what is the aftermath of you know the feature coming out on you? Like yeah. what happens after that? It's just you know, like 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 every other piece. It's just like them and they're viewing me creating content for themselves as well. And you got to understand also the business. You know, like these people like see somebody that me, they like it. They give you opportunity to be featured. They're creating content for themselves, themselves as well, mm -hmm. and and it's just, just a great dynamic, dynamic that you get to share your story with people. Like what we're doing today, you know, like whoever listens to this, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you know you need some motivation, and I'm here to tell you, dude, I'm a I'm a dude just like you. You know, I'm, I'm you know, you just got you just got to grind it. And uh, same thing with New York Times. Like I, they reached out to me through social media. What? Has, you know, as far as when everyone starts finding out who you are and your name starts getting out there, mm -hmm. you start working with these brands, yeah. some of which we mentioned in the bio. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me, like, uh, as far as now, like, what has been your favorite uh, project or campaign brand to work with to date? Uh, and why? I think I love working with the Wonder Woman people, like the Wonder Bros. When we did, when we're doing, still not out yet, the second movie, Wonder Woman movie. How did they find you? They find me through the director. So okay. uh, I was hanging out somewhere and and I get this this, this email. Okay. It's just like, hey, I'm the whoever executive something of the director of Wonder Woman and she wants to talk to you. Do you have time to talk tomorrow? And I'm like, I thought it was a joke. You know, at this point, I, I, I had worked with a lot of big brands. Yeah. And they usually send you an email. It feels like super formal, but it's never with the top dog. You know, you start with somebody, you know, that reaches out to you in the name of the creative director you know, or even like a studio that's in between, for example, the Nike stuff or any other absolute bug, anybody. They reach out to you through an agency. If the agency works for them, they want to do art with you for them. But in this case, it was directly her. And I was just like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll talk tomorrow. So I'm on the phone with the director of Wonder Woman. And she's like, so, you know, I got this, a few stuff from the studio. And, and I was looking for some inspiration for them to send to the studio. And I went to Pinterest, and your stuff came up. Like, and I was just like, we need this guy. Get me this guy on the phone. And I showed it to Gal Gadot, and she loved it. And we showed, we're in set recording. and you showed everybody, it to Gal Gadot? Yeah, because they, they have to... It's super cool. Then so was she know. like on the email chain and everything that you sent and everything? Yeah. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. So okay. what happens is that whatever you make, they show it to them. They have to approve it. Okay. The the actors have to approve it because we're using their photos. So. Oh, okay. So they're involved in the process. Yeah. You know, so um, they have to approve their likeness. That's what it's, it's officially called. So she was like, yeah, they loved it. They want they want, they want you to do some, some stuff for us. And, and I was just like, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm honored, you know, for sure. You know? Is that one of your most recent ones? Mm -hmm. um, that started like actually like for like a year and a half ago, but it's been a long process because you have to, 
uh, for something like this, just so you know, also like a bit of reality here, behind not the so scenes. much highlights. Yeah, let's uh, take it's, us behind the curtain. It's more like it's more like okay, um, I'm working. I'm I have a studio now with Merrick, which we're going to talk about in a second. But uh, for this specific project, uh, it was it was a personal project. Like it was, I was just working with. They wanted my art to be the thing, but usually movie movies hire studios to do their posters. They don't hire one person. Because it doesn't make sense to them. It's too much of a higher risk, you know. So I'm competing with these other studios. Or, like, we're all sending drafts to them. And and I, I thought they were going to give me more specific direction. Like, okay, do this. I want her hand to be here. And whatever coming out of the, you know, back. They sent me the script for the movie. And it was, like, super, like, secretive. Like, you have to read the script. that You only have two days because it expires. And then if you take a screenshot or anything happens at all, it gets flagged and you get out of the project. You cannot take the files out of your house. They, call, they literally call you like, are you in a secure location? I'm like, dude, what is going on? Yeah, so it's like super secretive. And then when they tell you to make stuff, you, I end up making like 20, 30 graphics. And they may be like one. So it's not like whatever you make, they're cool with. It's not like this amazing. Because a lot of people that work in, in, in lower levels of, you know, creative agencies or even personal projects with some uh, customers that are like super picky and, and frustrating and all of that. They think, oh no, man, when I'm, when I'm working with these people, everything will be clear mm, and smooth no. and we will have months <laughs> to work on this. No. And especially people that go to school. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't go to school, and, but I've worked with a lot of people that went to school and they always have the issue of time. They always think because in school they teach you, okay, I mean, this is what I understand. I'm sorry if somebody's listening, they're like, they don't teach you that at school. But the people that I've worked with, they're like, okay, you get a week to pick fonts and then a week to set your colors and, you know, making these projects for school. And right. in the real world, they're like, we need five concerts by Monday and it's Friday. Can you have it? Of course I can have it. You know, like I'm, not, I'm never going to say no. You don't blink. You just said, yeah. Sure. No, of course. Yeah. yeah. Even if I have to die three, like, three <laughs> days working without sleep, you know? Yeah. But that's the way it is, you know? So you make all these concepts and everything is rushed. And sometimes, sometimes you have more time. Uh, but sometimes, most times it's like it's rushed and it's like, there's not a clear direction in there. It's more like boom, 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 make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. And then you make it happen. They're like, ah, we kind of like this one. Okay, kind of. Okay, we're, we're, we're doing good. And then they're like, can you tweak this? Can you add this? And then you go into 20 changes to that one thing. And then in this particular one for Wonder Woman, I remember I finished one that they really liked. And they're like, yeah, we're happy with this. Because it's also collaboration. Like they maybe like something that you did, like a background. And they liked something that another studio did. With the with the you know that Gaga dot in the metal, she looked more mm -hmm. um, refined, and the colors. And then they're like, let's merge these two, whatever. And um, so I'm working, and they approved this one that I make, like boom, like that. All of a sudden, they like the whole thing. They're like, yeah, we're happy with it. I'm like, great. So what do I do now? And they're like, okay, uh, we need it in in this size, this size, and then the other size was like 60 by 40, 60 by 40 feet which is big, right? And 600 DPI. Wow. And we needed our show size. <laughs> so whoever's listening to this and does graphics, you know that's crazy. Like some, I don't even know, but I just know that sounds big. <laughs> so, so most times when you make something that big, yeah. it's, it's usually vector, and you make it small, 
and then you can you can size it up, you know, or or even if it's like a photo, you make a half size or quarter size or whatever size you need to make it so that it can run in your computer. Yeah. So I literally had to go to the store and build a computer to be able to finish this job. Wow. So you see me running to a micro center here to build a PC. Up 75. To build a PC that can, that can take this work. Because it's a good, good. Well, at least now you have it's something for future work. I do, yeah. So yeah. I work on that PC a lot, actually. But it's a beefy PC. It's big. Well, speaking of work and, and uh, working with brands, um, I know that you um, are working now with Artist Uprising. That's right. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, how that came about and, you know, what um, what they what your partnership has been like with them since uh, working with them? Yeah, so I, I I got to meet Merrick. She's the founder of uh, Artist Uprising, and uh, we she 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 talked to me to be in one of her uh, issues on her magazine. Yeah, and you know she's just an amazing person, super creative, super business centric, and um, you know I instantly click with her and her philosophy and her husband Dave David, and it was just like. Great people, right off the gate. So they started representing me as an artist. So whatever work I would do, they would represent me, go through the details with the clients and all of that. And then after a year or so working together, uh, we had this idea of opening a studio together. We called it Belmont Creative. And we're coming up with the names, and I'm, I'm trying to come up with a cool name, something catchy that people can remember. Interestingly enough, she went to Belmont University, and I had come up with the name Belmont based on the word. It's a French word. It's two words to combine. It's like beautiful mountain is what it's called. Like Love it. Yeah, Belmont, Be Bella Montaña or whatever. Right. And, you know, it's basically uh, the concept of like doing. There's so much that can be done to nowadays through, through, through beauty, you know, through making things beautiful. Mm -hmm. And people open their eyes and their minds to receive things if they're pretty. So it's like taking you up there to that beautiful mountain so people can look at you. That's, that's the concept behind the name. And, um, yeah, we came up with the studio together, and it's a, it's a creative studio. And what we do is uh, we do a lot of branding work. We do a lot of, like, um, rebranding uh, buildings and stuff and, and coming up with art for these places, coming up with digital content, uh, video, anything. It's like a full agency Basically, and also with the background of Merrick and Artist Uprising, being able to bring a lot of artists into this and a lot of muralists and a lot of like musicians and people like that. She's already super connected on that side. Uh, it really gives us this, uh, this super cool uh, connection. You know, she's really connected in the real world. What yeah. I call the real world is like murals and painted work yes. and live events. Yes. And my world is all online. Like, like most of my clients I've never met. Like most of the people that I do, do projects with, it's always a Skype and, you know, over the phone conversations. And it's, it's whole, this whole like coronavirus time before coronavirus. Like I've been doing this, like, <laughs> like, in so Zoom. like I've been doing Zoom for three years yeah, now. And you're I, totally used to yeah, it. Then. Yeah. And then, you know, like with her being so, such a, you know, like boots on the ground kind of like style of art and me being so digital, I feel like we find this connection where we, you know, we can do both things now. Perfect we can, marriage. yeah, we can like make things that are digital and adapt them, adapt them to real spaces. Um, we can, we're doing a lot of um, augmented reality stuff, which merges a lot of like, wow. So, what we're doing is that uh, 
we, we get artists to go paint a mural, right? So there's something special when people paint something that's there that they came there and painted it. You know, it's not like something printed. Uh, it has this special value to it, right? But then we wanted to add a, a digital aspect to it. So we're using this uh, augmented reality where we break down the, the layers on their work after it's done. And then people can go with their phone, aim at it. And then the work comes out of the wall. Oh, and on wow. your phone and you can you know go through it and see it animates and it moves and you can see behind it that's amazing yeah so it's just like such a cool, a cool process of like combining you yeah. know the physical with the online and even working on websites and brandings and all of that is so much fun so yeah that's what we're doing with our agency belmont when you when you were talking about philosophy, as mm-hmm. far as like your philosophies matched or you like their philosophy, what yeah. uh, in particular, if you could kind of dive into that a little bit more, as far as artist uprising, what was it about their philosophy that you connected with? They believe in art, man. Like they believe that you can you can communicate through art, and and you can communicate through um, through through visuals and through music and through things that are, you know, writing, storytelling. And that's something that I've always known. And that's always, that's something that a lot of people know, but not a lot of people live by, you know, and she fights for artists to to even get good money from things, you know, she fights for artists to, to, to get good deals, um, to, for brands to invest in artists. And that's something that resonated with me because, you know, I was doing my own thing. Uh, I was new to the agents, to the to the creative world, and all of that, and and it was just you know so so refreshing to see somebody that's kind of doing the same thing you're doing, but they're like doing it in a different way. She's she's sponsoring all these artists and she's like taking care of them and all that. So I, I immediately know, okay, I wanna I wanna you know do something with this person with this with this brand. And hence, we now have the Belmont Agency. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what you would like, what's the vision for mm. Belmont Agency? What are you looking to achieve in the next, in the, the near future, in the distant future? Yeah. So what we're trying to achieve is like to, to create this space where, where you, can, you can find something that you can both apply to the real world and to the online world. Uh, I believe we're like, we're going away from the real world as we know it so much nowadays, you know, like the more, the more time goes by, the more, the less you go places, <laughs> especially with the, with the condition that we have right now. And you live more on the, on the, on the online world. And there's a lot of good experiences in the online world, but like kind of merging those two things where you can have a brand that's easily identifiable in the real world. And it's also easily identifiable in the online world. I think it's the, I think it's the perfect thing. I think uh, it's, it's a lot of what we're doing right now mm-hmm. and a lot of what we're aiming for is to be even more uh, strategic with uh, reaching that gap and giving the, the brands that experience and the people that interact with these brands the experience of like, okay, this is a complete thing from, from physical to online. And, and also the goal is to interact a lot with artists still. Right. I bring a lot of artists from Instagram that I that I know, that are friends and and in, involving them in these big projects and involving them in this you know in these brandings and this stuff. So speaking of other artists, um, are there any artists here locally or or just people that you've been 
in contact with or just people you follow? Is there anyone here locally or, you know, like I said, that you, you know, that you know of that you want to feel free to give a shout out to them? You For know? sure. Yeah. So I got my, I got my, my homie Bobby Serda. Okay. He's been here in these podcasts, I think. Okay. So it's somebody that people know already, but um, he's amazing uh, lettering and he's amazing at thinking about design uh, in a business sense as well. You know, he's, he's a great, um, first of all, great friend and also a great creative. And he works with the Cowboys. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And he's, he's a creative director there. Um, so, you know, people like him are great because they give you a sense of like responsibility, seriousness, but also... You can go around and do arts as well. Uh, we got Tammy Cocker. Yeah, I don't know if he, uh, he's also being, I think, kind of involved with artist uprising okay. to some extent. But I was his, I was his mentor on photo, on, on the Photoshop residency. He had a Photoshop residency, Adobe residency. Yeah. And uh, I was his mentor for a year, so teaching him, you know, everything about in what I knew about design and the online world and all of that. So Tammy is here from Dallas as well. He's a photographer and his wife is a photographer as well. So they're great people to, to look, look for and follow. And there's hundreds more, uh, nobody else coming to my right now. No, that's fine. And like um, I said, I'm horrible with, you know, like with names, with coming up with names on the spot, right, but, but if I go to my Instagram, I have a bunch of people. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, speaking of like, uh, if people are, would like to like see your work, contact you, where, where can they find you? What's your socials? Yeah, so I post mostly on Instagram. Okay. So it's MacDL. Okay. L-O-P. So it's M-A-G-D-I-E-L. Okay. L-O-P. is my first name and my first part of my I will last follow name. you after this podcast. Yeah, so MacDL L-O-P on Instagram. And then um, my website is MacDLLopez.com. Okay. And um, yeah, but if you Google my name, like my name is so weird that uh, it, it'll come up. <laughs> It'll come up pretty easily. It will come up easily. Yeah, because okay. my name is like hard to find. So, so. <laughs> lastly, um, the one good thing about my name, it's ri- yeah, it, it is kind of stands alone. Yeah, you know, I used to hate it thing. when I was a kid. I was like, why am I, why my dad, my dad, my dad name, my dad's name is Roberto, and I was just like, why can't I be just be a Roberto? You know, it's like you so know, easy. And I, now, and now I'm like, I like my name. It's a cool name. And I'm like, it's weird, but I like it. It's People cool can never name. get it right anywhere, but Did I, I like mess it. it up today. No, no, you got it right. I mean, like, if I go order, oh. my name is never Mike Dill. They're like, what's your name? Um, Mike. I always say Mike. It's like easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like easy. Um, closing it out, um, once again, man, I just want to tell you thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you and actually hearing your story. Same. I really thank you. love, like, you know, I like the way you see things. And I think that that's, as a creative, from one creative to another, like, different worlds it's still cool to kind of see that connection there yeah um if you could give like some advice to some listeners out there just someone Mm -hmm. that's in that spot where you were like at 16 or maybe in 2016 where they're trying to figure out as a creative like where what to do where to go like what are your top three like things that you would you know advise them as far as advice for someone just you know, out there right now that's got the talent, but just doesn't know exactly where to go and what to do. Yeah. So first I would say, don't do it for the wrong reasons. Like do whatever you do, do it with excellence. Don't do, don't do it to, to be famous. Don't do it to, I want to work with one day with this brand. Just do the best that you can with what's in front of you. Okay. And that would take you there. So be faithful in the small things, be faithful in the small things, be faithful in the small things. You know, even if it's a goal of like, 
making a poster every day or making a song every month or i know songs are tougher than one day <laughs> or I like you know, or even sitting and playing some music every yeah. day you know like you know crafting your thing whatever it is that you do do it for the right reasons and the right reasons are like you want to be the best at what you do so that's number one number two surround yourself with the right people there's a lot of people that can make you grow and sometimes we're afraid of like showing people what we have because we think it's not enough and and the right people will, will not make fun of you the right people will not make you like smaller you know they'll build they'll build you up so surround yourself with the right people and number three is um Look for inspiration above you. Look for competition at your level and give inspiration to people below you. Because there's always three levels and we, oh, we're, yeah. we're usually looking up. Right. You know? But then, yes. but then it's also good to have peers that you're like competing with. Yes. You're like, okay, I have this dude that's cool that we both designed and he's kind of on my level. I hate him, but, <laughs> but I'm going to become friends with him because I want to I wanna compete with him, right? And then when you're receiving praise from down below of people that are like maybe younger than you are and they're like, or they're, they're worse than you are at designing and they're like, oh my God, this guy's so great. Don't take it. Don't believe it. Don't you're believe not, the hype. You're not that great. Right. Look up. When that happens, your ego starts growing, look up yeah. and get small again yeah. and stay at that metal level where you're competing. You know? Right. And I think if you do those three things, I mean, you're going to get some success a, a little bit at least. It's amazing. Well, Magdiel, thank you again so much for joining us. And I look forward to learning more about you, being in touch, you know, as far as outside of this. Um, I love the story and, you know, everything you have to tell. And I'm sure someone out there listening is going to get that. I just want to tell everyone, thanks again for listening. If you haven't yet, please subscribe um, to our podcast and give us a follow. Have a great week. And, uh, We'll see you soon. Love someone. Take care. We are the artists that make our cities one of a kind. We are the artists behind all the beauty, even in your home. From the architecture that defines the place where you rest to the space in between lined with fine art, handcrafted furniture, and vintage finds, there was an artist who gave you a priceless gift, a piece of themselves. It is our mission to abolish the term starving artistry. This podcast is about interviewing those who have paved the way with their successes in the arts and entertainment industry. Tune in as they give other emerging artist listeners tips to success, as well as advice in the midst of a tipping point. This podcast series will also be a platform to discover together new emerging talent from all over the world. Stay tuned and explore the next Artist Uprising. Use hashtag Artist Uprising to join the movement.